As we start this morning, there's a couple things that we need to go over, and one of those is a great rule of thumb for us as families, because the best rule that we can have as a family is to adopt, is to adopt a biblical worldview, to have a biblical perspective, meaning when it comes to decisions that are made in your home or in, in relation to hot topics in society, pop culture. The best thing that we can ever ask ourselves is, what does the Bible say about this? So often, unfortunately, we as Christians get ourselves in really trouble and inevitably drift far away from the commandments of God when we no longer are asking ourselves, what does the Bible say about this? Or what does the Bible say about that? So, As we take that mindset into looking at the gifts of the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit moves, what does the Bible have to say about the body of Christ? What does the Bible in its entirety say about how the members of the church are to work together in unity? Well, listen to what Psalm 133 says, verse 1. This is a Psalm of David, and he said, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, I don't know if you've realize this or not, but it is such a blessing when our physical bodies work the way that they're supposed to be working. I think we've become aware of how amazing that is the older we get. You know, I love when I can move my arm, you know, without it hurting or bend my knee or twist my back without it feeling like it's going to snap in half. So too, it's an amazing thing when the body of Christ, the church, functions the way that it's supposed to be functioning. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And as the Lord is one, it makes sense that his church should be one as well. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a toothache. I've had some serious ones in my life. Uh, But when your tooth hurts, it seems like your whole body hurts. Uh, Everything is, is just miserable. Now, when one of your members of your body is not functioning the way that it should function, it causes your whole body to hurt. You know, I don't know what it is about teeth. I remember seeing that film Castaway with Tom Hanks years ago, and some of you might even cringe because you remember what happened with his abscessed tooth and that ice skate. Uh, maybe you're here and you have a toothache, you need to go see Greg Peterson or whatever, but when the body of Christ has a member that's not working properly, not functioning the way that it was intended, when it's not doing what it was supposed to do, it's not fulfilling its role, it's not doing what it needs to be doing, the whole body suffers because of it. So in the body of Christ, like even if we look at the micro level of Vision City Church, if there's someone in the church that is not doing what they need to be doing, the whole church feels it. And so this is the thought and this is the context for what we're going to see now beginning in verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12. He says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Christ is not divided, nor should his church be. There are many that comprise the body of Christ. Many different denominations make up the body of Christ. But let's look at this at the micro and even local level. And I have three points this morning, three alls, if you will. And point number one is this. All are created. In verse 13, it says, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, 
and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Verse 14, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many, but many. So we who have put our faith in Jesus, we've been made alive spiritually. Thank you, Lord, for that. I've been born again. Instead of being dead in my sins, I'm made alive in Christ. I've been made alive spiritually by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same Holy Spirit that's working in us, in me, and in you. The body has more than one member. It's comprised of a bunch of different people. I mean, let's, I mean, just by way of maybe picturing this, you don't see a bunch of large noses kind of hopping down the street by themselves. Or giant eyeballs rolling down the street. See, the different members of our bodies each have a special place, a special role. <laughs> a special role to fulfill in the body working properly. That there are unique individual members of the body of Christ. And he says in verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Obviously, these are rhetorical. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And he says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? So he's writing to a group of people saying there are different roles and different functions in the body of Christ, even as your body has different members that fulfill different roles and have different functions. I mean, could you imagine your foot? It just states that it's tired of being in that dark, damp place all the time. And that smelly confinement most of its life. I mean, if we didn't have feet, we wouldn't be walking. I mean, all the time, you know, in Christian circles, we hear about being the hands and feet of Jesus. And maybe you've heard that. You know, I just want to be the hands and feet of Christ. What does that even mean? It says the hands and the feet. It's great that the hands are serving, but it's the feet that are getting them there. What if the ear gets tired of its shape and the hair on the head covering it all the time. It's like, I'm tired of being this ear. You know, it thinks that, you know, the ear thinks that it's just about had it with all the compliments that the eyes get all the time. It's tired of never being recognized. It has no function in the body, thinks it's unimportant. You know, all those people it hears all the time saying, oh, you have such gorgeous eyes. You have such beautiful eyes. What beautiful crystal blue eyes you may have. Or you're my brown eyed girl or whatever it might be. I mean, isn't that the way that it is? If only the eyes could hear all the compliments it was receiving. You don't really hear too often someone say, "Um, oh wow, has anybody told you that you just have fantastic earlobes? I mean, you don't hear that too often. Man, your lower lobe is stunning. You know, I mean, you don't really hear that too often. So does it mean that the ear doesn't have a function, that it's not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how weird would that be? One massive eyeball. It's like an eyelash with jellyfish tentacles. You know, it's just weird. Yet God created the body and designed each of its members to fulfill a certain function. And that, that should be encouraging to us. Do you realize that that is you? You were created to fulfill a certain role. 
You were created to function in the body of Christ because you have faith in Jesus and there is a place for you. The body of Christ is just not the pastor. The body of Christ just isn't Garrett. I'm one small part of the big thing that's called Vision City Church. We have numerous people on different teams that make all of the stuff that you see happen here on on Sundays happen. A lot of times people think even, I think, uh, maybe ignorantly, that this is what pastoring is. I'm on a stage for 40 minutes one time a week. There are so much other things, so many other things that take place in the body of Christ. Some things are private, some things are public, some things are in the light, some things are behind the scenes. But not only on Sundays, all throughout the week, there's ministry that's taking place and there's things that are happening by people that you're sitting next to. I'm so very thankful for each of the people that are on our team. I mean, the, the people that serve here at this church are some of the finest people that I've ever known. And they do a fantastic job and they work very hard and they're fulfilling the role that God has for them. And that's the way that God designed it. As it says in verse 18, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. See, God sets those people in the right spots he's the one that that puts somebody somebody there and puts them over there and he puts the shoulder joint connected here and then the scapula and then your rotator all this stuff and so that your shoulder can move and then your joints and then you have your what is this your 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 humerus and your ulna and your radia and the radius and and it works properly in your hand and it's all jointed together because it's the way it's meant to be the body of christ is meant to function just like that and you have a role you have a place It says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he, look at that last word, pleased. I'm so thankful that it's for God's pleasure that we were created. In Revelation 4, verse 11, it says, as the 24 elders cast their crowns, you know, around as they worship the Lord, at the, feet of, at the feet of the Lord, they, they cast their crowns down as they're worshiping the Lord. And, and they said this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. That the Lord takes pleasure in his creation. He takes pleasure in you. We were created by God for his pleasure. He created you and he finds pleasure in you. And he has great plans for you. And so often we go awry or we think that God's uninterested when he is so very interested and that your life's not an accident, that he created you for a purpose. And yes, he knows all of the mistakes that you've made and he still has a great plan for you. You know, children are a blessing from the Lord. They are. I have three of them. And they're also the most difficult thing that you'll ever experience in your entire life. But if we as earthly parents experience such joy... When I see Hudson and I see Ava and I see Harrison, I'm, I'm filled with joy. And you see photos and you see the new things that they do and it brings you such joy, such joy. How much more does our perfect heavenly father take joy in us? We're his kids. You're his son. You're his daughter. We have such a finite understanding of the love that our Heavenly Father has for us. But if you base it on how much you love your kids and then magnify it so you can't even comprehend it, that's the love that God has for you. 
In first, excuse me, in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, verse 12, he says, but as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. And if you've put your faith in Jesus, you've been given now that right as a child of God. There is a purpose. There is family. There is a network. There is functions. There is a team. There is a role. There is a place. There is opportunity. And the Lord takes pleasure in those things. In verse 18, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And yes, that's the third time we read this, and yes, that was absolutely the way it was supposed to be, because we need to understand that when we come to the place of submitting our will to the will of the Lord, is where we find that there is a perfect position for us to slot into in the body of Christ. So often, we'll take a step back and we'll think to ourselves, somebody else will do that. Nobody else is going to do what you were created to do because you are the only one that can fulfill what you were created to do. No one else can run your race for you. No one else can take your spot. So you need to understand that we as a little church, as a new church, need to understand that every single person has a position and a role to fulfill and God will set people in different roles, different positions as he pleases. If God created you, which we believe he did, then he also has a purpose for you. It's in the world that teaches that mankind, teaches mankind that their existence is accidental, that people miss out on all the great plans that God has for them because they spend their entire life trying to find out what's my purpose, why am I alive, why am I here on this earth? God created you to fulfill a a purpose To fulfill the very thing he engineered, he created you to fulfill in his body, the church. Might I just add, there are multiple slots available in the body of Christ. And they increase every single day as the Lord adds daily to the church those that are being saved. So all are created, all have purpose. And we find that even our gifts and our talents reach the highest level of fulfillment when in service to the Lord. You might spend your gifts on things that the world might bring, that you might uh, find yourself receiving increase from, but when you use your gifts, whatever they may be, for the glory of God, that is when your gifts and your talents and the things that you are good at reach their highest level of fulfillment. You're using them for the glory of God and those things are compounded. They're magnified. And the things that you could use selfishly, you're now using unselfishly for the glory of God that the whole church may be benefited and you are fulfilling what God has created you to do. In verse 19 it says, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? If they were all just a nose or an eye or a mouth or a foot, where would the whole body fit in? He's saying it doesn't make sense. God created the body with different members that fulfill different roles and so is the body of Christ who is one body. So, if we have all been created, then we need to understand the logical progression for that is that all have value. All have value. Some would like to say that those born with certain, you know, maybe uh, disabilities or whatever have less value than somebody else. Or maybe somebody that's not the sharpest tool in the shed is less value than somebody that is, you know, valedictorian or whatever it might be. 
No, every single person that has ever lived on the face of this earth had a plan that God had for them. Maybe they chose to reject it and and not receive Christ and they chose to go and make their own decisions and you're free to do that. But those that do, those that have found that they've put their faith in the Lord and said, Lord, I want your will. What am I supposed to be doing? How can I further the work that you're doing? Have found themselves valued, found themselves with great purpose. And it's not even contingent upon the external. Their value, they feel value. And you and I feel value because what we're doing matters and it lasts. And even if no one recognizes it or no one sees it, God still does and he knows how to bless you. That leads us to point number two this morning. If all are created, all are valued. It says in verse 20, but now indeed they are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now, I've been involved with church serving as a pastor since 2004. So almost, man, going on 14 years now. And one of the things that I've noticed in church is how often we can look for man's approval or man's pat on the back to validate what we're doing. And there are some members in the body of Christ that may feel like they're not really doing much or they may feel like their role isn't that important. Maybe they're working behind the scenes and nobody notices them. Listen, if you're clicking on a keyboard, do it all for the glory of God. There are others that view their, the antithesis of this, or there are others that view their roles as too important. And it goes to their head. And they forget what it takes. As you know, they say in sports psychology, you know, it takes teamwork to make the dream work. You know, you've heard that before. Team is an acronym. Remember, together each achieves more. You know, when we talk about the, the model of, of people working together. You should not see yourself as more important than the rest of the body. You were placed there by the Lord and the same Lord that placed you there can remove you from there as well. And that's why we live by what it says in Colossians 3.23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. That's it. Because often in ministry, it is thankless. Whether you're occupationally involved or you're voluntarily involved, there's a lot of hard work and sacrifice and commitment and things and even extra spiritual battle and attack that goes against you because you're actually stepping outside your comfort zone and you're going to go and make a difference and Satan doesn't want that to happen because if he knows that you're stepping out, maybe somebody else will step out and maybe other sleeping Christians won't be sleeping anymore and then all of a sudden there's a bunch of people fulfilling their roles in the body of Christ and the body's functioning and the body's strong and the body's able to accomplish what it's supposed to be accomplishing and this is really the key for the body of Christ to work properly together because so often we can be more concerned with other people and even critiquing them more than we are concerned with what the Lord has called us to do and evaluating our own selves and asking how well am I fulfilling what God's called me to do we might look at them over there and like they're doing a terrible job What's wrong with that? Or we can say, how come I'm not doing that job? Why am I involved with this over here? Well, what has the Lord called you to do? 
And if we would take just a moment to look at ourselves and say, you know what, I'm not perfect. I know that I could probably improve, so let me focus my energy, my resources on being the best person fulfilling the role that God has for me to fulfill and stop worrying about other people. Because it's like, why did they get to do that? Why am I the one stuck in this position? I'm tired of being the big toe in the shoe. It's time for me to take a breather on the forehead for a little bit. That's where I feel like I would like to be. And if you've ever seen a person walking down the street with a toe attached to their forehead, it doesn't really look like it goes there. I hope no one, I hope no one of you has seen that. That's kind of weird, actually. Without your toe, I remember when I first heard that without your toe, big toe, you can't walk properly, if at all. You get your toe amputated, that big toe, and that's going to mess you up. But you may not like to be there, but that's the very thing that is, is keeping something running. Very interesting. So we shouldn't think of our role as so unimportant, unimportant that we can just drop out whenever because some people will think, you know, somebody else will fill my spot or, you know, it's not that big deal or I can show up whenever I want or maybe I just won't show up or whatever, I might, whatever it might be. And we can think that our role in the body of Christ is so unimportant that we don't do what God's calling us to do and we slack off in that. Or we can even become bitter towards those that may seem esteemed. Oh, look at that role. Nor, though, should those that seem esteemed say to the other parts of the body that they're not needed. Like, hey man, you know what, why don't you just leave? Or you know what, we don't need you. Or you know what, you're not even doing anything really. That's not, that is not the perspective that God has on his body. It is not right. Now the next few verses are a very important part of our study. In verse 22 it says, No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body, verse 23, which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God comprised or rather composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Now it's been said that you don't know what you had until it's gone, right? We think that maybe certain parts of our body aren't important until they start to hurt. You know, I didn't know that that part of my body even existed until it got an infection. And then it starts killing and it caused such great pain. Now there may be certain body parts that seem less glamorous, but they're needed. Those parts of the body that seem less honorable, but they have great importance. I mean, listen, I think of internal organs, your liver, your kidneys, your lungs, your heart. You don't see those things. You're not meant to see them. They're actually given a rib cage and muscles and skin and they're completely covered by those things people don't see them they don't acknowledge them dude nice liver you know they don't do that you don't see it but they're even more valuable than the external parts of our body because if one of them breaks down there's a big big problem with our body and i think about some of the core group of people that are really the heart of the church 
You know, the, the 20% that are doing 80%. You know, the, the, that small group of people that are like the heartbeat. You know, there they are, stuff behind the scenes, showing up to meetings, showing up early, going to the extracurriculars, being involved. This, I, I see, you, you don't see a lot of those things publicly, but they're the heartbeat of the church. You may have been created for a behind-the-scenes position. God will honor you. Matthew 6, verses 3 through 4, it says, But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will himself, listen to that, personally reward you openly. So what we do, we do for the Lord. Sure, a pat on the back, that's nice. I'm not saying that you can't be in leadership and say, hey, good job, man, or I really appreciate you. But if we start living our lives and doing what we do for the kudos, so to speak, or the high fives or the public acknowledgements, then we're slipping into a trap where we're no longer doing it for the Lord but for the praises of men. And if I seek the praises of men, I actually find myself getting ensnared because then I become more concerned with what man may think than what God already knows. And that's not the way the body of Christ should function. And it says in verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, say you received an award. When you received that award, your whole body was honored. It wasn't just part of you. Like, it was your being. This is who you are. No part of who you are was excluded from that award. But seriously, when, when somebody is awarded, when an individual, let's just say, you know, NBA, the NBA season just ended, and it was a great season, and Russ Westbrook was named the most valuable player of the NBA. Now, when he received that award, to the, the MVP of the league for 2016-2017, that was a huge, huge award, a huge award for Russ Westbrook. But not only that, It brought honor to the Oklahoma City Thunder basketball team, their organization, the management, the executives. It brought honor to the city. It was huge. It was beyond the one individual. And so too, when the body of Christ has a member in it that is honored, it honors the whole thing. When somebody's suffering, the whole team suffers. This is the body of Christ. The fans, they were honored. They all won when he won. And when one of us loses, we all lose. And we all feel it. And we all hurt. Because we're one body. We're not meant to be isolated. We're not to be, you know, cut off and, and, you know, disassociated from. We're, We're the body of Christ. Sometimes we don't act like it. Sometimes we say, no, I'm not using my hand. To lift that. Nope, hey, no, no, I really need two hands. Nope, sorry. Nope, not gonna happen. Body of Christ needs, needs all of its members. It needs all of them. So if all are created, then all have value. And if all are created and all have value, then what we're seeing from our text, which is our third and final point this morning, is all are needed. All are needed. 
He says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So the same Holy Spirit, this is verse 27, that gives spiritual gifts to each member of the church is the same Holy Spirit working in you and through you and then collectively through us as a church. And I hope that we can agree that since God created all, then God attributes value to all and that there is a need for all to fulfill their office of ministry. God created all, he attributes value to all, and now there's a need for all to do what they're supposed to be doing. Individuals working and serving together for the goal of God being glorified. Working together, sacrificing together. Working so that those that don't know Jesus personally might come to know Jesus because it's great that we're a church and we'll open the Bible and we'll teach the Bible so that Christians can grow in their faith, but we need and need to continue to be a outreaching church where we go and in our own circles of influence are lights in this world. God willing, if the Lord ever you know, gives us or when he gives us rather our own place where we can have evangelistic outreaches and maybe Monday nights at the improv again, I don't know, but whatever it is, that we would be a church that reaches out and that we'd all work together. You know, there's an organizational side of church and there's a lot of papers that have been written and research that has been done about how a small percentage of people do the mass majority of, of work in a church. Could you imagine how powerful it would be if the whole body was at 100%? I mean, could you imagine what that would be like? I mean, could you imagine when you're feeling healthy versus when you're feeling unhealthy? You know, when you've got the flu or you've got a sprained ankle or whatever, and how all of a sudden when your body's working properly, how much better it is to do those tasks that, that you need to, to do and to accomplish? I mean, what an amazing thing. So all are needed. And it says that God has appointed in verse 28. And really this in the Greek, that phrase appointed, or rather that word and how it fits in conjunction with that phrase, that God has laid down a foundation and he has placed an order to what happens in the church. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and variety of tongues. Let's look at the first one here, apostles. Now, the apostles held a very unique position in church history. They had to have seen the risen Jesus in the flesh. Now, this office of apostleship with Paul and and others is closed now because the foundation of the church has already been set. You don't see any apostles today adding to the scriptures removing from the scriptures you know we've seen men i think that have acted in an apostolic way over generations pastoring people etc but this office of apostles is closed and it was filled with those guys that were called apostles that were the foundation of the church now prophets and teachers these are a very unique group of people Prophets and teachers are those that were anointed by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the word of God. Prophetic words, exhortive words, where they're exhorting the church. And teaching, those that would share the gospel, those that would be able to communicate the truths of God's word in a way that was understandable, a way that people are like, oh, I get that. You know, I really understand it when that's taught that way. 
That's something that the Lord gifts people to be able to communicate his word to others in an understandable way. Now, I said this in our last study, I'd be very, very reticent to call yourself, to self-proclaim yourself a prophet. You know, sometimes, you know, people are like, I'm a prophet, so-and-so, or prophet, this and that. Well, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so if you call yourself a prophet, then you should be held to the same standard of testing whether you're a false prophet or not. Teachers, they're great at just that, teaching. You know, where I came from, I grew up listening to Pastor Chuck Smith my whole life. And his motto was simply teaching the Bible simply. If you back up Sometime in church history, you have C.H. Spurgeon who said, if I have an audience that half is filled with doctors and half is filled with farmers, I'm going to teach to the farmers so that everybody understands. There's something about teaching people the word of God in a way that's palatable and a way that they just understand it and that they can own it for themselves. And by God's grace and through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, if we're sitting in church and you hear something and you're reading it and you're studying it, the goal should be for you to own it. So that it's not like, yeah, I I believe what the pastor said or, you know, the pastor said, no, it's like, this is what I believe and I know it to be true because it's found in God's word. I own it for myself. Next, we see miracles and healings. Now, God still uses men and women to bring about miraculous things. And this person that has been used to perform a miracle does so by the empowerment and directive of the Holy Spirit. No person in and of themselves has the power to heal apart from God. You have to know that. The Holy Spirit will give gifts where people are healed and they'll pray for them or whatever it might be. Miracles, healings, they take place even today and it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Next we see is the gift of helps. Now, These people may not have an official standing, uh, but they have a keen sense of the Holy Spirit leading them to help those that are in need. Like there are some people that are just the most amazing, helpful people you'll ever meet in your life. I don't even know like why they're helping, but they help with things that they really have no need to help with. They'll they'll be there and, and, and they'll just say, hey man, how can I help? What can I do? Some of the most amazing people I know have the gift of helps. They may not always be leading something, but they're always involved with something good that needs help. Sometimes they think, oh, I'm not leading anything, so I guess I'm not important. No. Leading something is one thing, but it takes a team effort to achieve whatever it is that you're going after. And those people with the gifts of helps... Like, hey, can, can I help out? It could be like, hey, I, I, I'll, I'll move this table or can I take that speaker off the stand or can I move this thing or, 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 you know, I know this is happening over here. Can I help you move in your house or whatever it might be? The gift of helps. Hey, I know you're having a hard time. Can I help you out with whatever it is you have going on? I found this in my friend David Guzik's commentary. It was an article that he posted by Charles Spurgeon on those with the gift of helps. And I, I'd like to share it with you because I thought it was very, very accurate. He says, for those of the gifts of helps, he jots down seven things here. It's a tender heart to really care. Like somebody that really cares. Number two, a quick eye 
to see the need. Like they're aware of what the needs may be. They're looking around. They're like, what, what can be done? Number three is a quick foot to get to the needy. Those that are in need, they're quickly there. Number four, a loving face to cheer them and bless them. You know, because you can be helping somebody without the gift of helps, and your face shows them how happy you really are to be there. Let's just get this done, man, okay? Come on, let's just take care of this, or whatever it might be. But when somebody's actually helping you and they're happy to help you, it causes you to kind of like take a step back and be like, who are you? Like, this is amazing to have the Holy Spirit working through you in such a way. Number five, it says a firm foot so that you will not fall yourself. So you have a firm grasp on your own relationship with the Lord. Number six, a strong hand to grip the needy with. Hey, let me help you. And number seven, a bent back to reach the man. Interesting. To bend over, to pick things up, Those that are down, you lift them up. It could be something tangible that you have the gift of helps with or you can be somebody that's encouraging them with your presence in their lives and your joy that the Lord has given you, which is your strength that now you're conveying to them. It's a very, very special thing. Next, we see administrations. Leading and organizing the church is a spiritual gift that the Lord gives to those who need it. I know a few people that are extremely gifted with the gift of administrations, and really, it's pretty cool to see it at work. It really is. I know for me, I have been overrun by a million things going in a million different directions, and the Lord has brought a handful of people that are very, very gifted in organization, and you can just see like the magic happen immediately. They got it covered and they're able to plan it and then they organize it and then they, you know, take care of all the details. I mean, how cool it is to see that at work. And I can tell you how amazing it is, how it brings such great blessings with it and stress exits because of it. Gift of helps. What an amazing thing. And so Paul lays out like, okay, the foundation was laid, Jesus and his apostles. And then we see teachers and prophets we see those that are working miracles and healings taking place the holy spirit giving giving the gift of helps administrations and finally as we conclude paul is going to ask a series of rhetorical questions in order to drive home the point that there is one god one holy spirit that gives gifts as he chooses now this is important let me say it again we're wrapping this up we're going to close out our day. One God with one spirit who gives gifts as he chooses. Not all have the same gifts. I may desire a certain gift, but maybe the Lord says, nope, that's not the gift that I'm giving you. And usually the way gifts go, you don't get to choose what people give you. Someone gives you a gift, it's a present. You're like, um, can you pick me out a gift that I like, please, or whatever? You know, we don't normally do that unless you're a child and you don't have any kind of, uh, like, uh, I don't like this gift. Can you take it back and give me a new one or whatever? No, but not all have the same gifts. Not all have the same gifts. Because you do not have a certain gift, it doesn't mean that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit or part of the body of Christ. So this is where we're going to conclude today, and I want you to listen to this carefully because this will help solve a lot of problems that may arrive at your doorstep. Uh, 
door, things that, that you might come across on the internet or that you may speak with people about, you will know and you will own it for yourself what God's word says on the subject. He says, are all apostles? So let me ask you that a question. After hearing what we just, what we just read and reading this study, are all apostles? I feel like I'm Hulk Hogan. Come on, you know, like, hey, no, yeah, no. No, so, okay, not all are apostles. I understand that. Are all teachers, and we say no. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And so, I hope this is self-explanatory. I hope this is something that you're able to just read and understand what's happening here because the answer to all of Paul's not-so-trick questions is no, no. Not everyone that is listed in verses 29 and 30, not every one of those things listed in verses 29 and verse 30 belongs to every single person. Not everyone in the body of Christ is every one of those things. But he says in verse 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way. Desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Seek to utilize them for the glory of God, but might I add, spoiler alert for next chapter, there's a more excellent way, and we're gonna read all about it next week as we start 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, I ask God that you would continually Pour out your spirit. Fill us afresh continually. Lord, overflowing. Minister to us. Help us. Be those men and women that you've created us to be, Lord. I ask, God, that you would please help our church to be a biblical church, Lord. That we would have a biblical worldview. And, Lord, that we would truly put into action that question that we can ask about anything. In the privacy of our homes with our spouses or with our children we can say what does the bible say about this what does the word of god tell us when we look at things pertaining to the church and spirituality what does god's word say about these things and so lord i pray that you would give us a growing understanding of your word a growing desire to know you in a deeper way but lord we don't want it just in the intellectual realm lord we want our hearts to be changed Because we can know and understand all we want, but unless it travels to our heart and something takes place there, it's useless. And so, Lord, I pray that we would not only have understanding, but we would have a heart that is softened to you. That we'd hear your voice, that we'd be led by your spirit. And Lord, we pray to the Lord of the harvest, which you are, that you would start now, even this very moment, touching the hearts of your sons and daughters one by one, encouraging them, giving them boldness to step out in faith, to utilize the gifts, to slot in the position that has their name written on it already. And Lord, I pray, God, that we wouldn't just be Sunday Christians, that we'd come to church and then walk out the door and deny you with our lifestyles, but Lord, that it would be our lifestyle of following you, serving you. And whatever vocation we may be in, Lord, that we would utilize 
our influence and utilize our giftings for the furtherance of your kingdom. And Lord, I pray for our church. Lord, I ask that you would help us to be a healthy church. Help us to be a strong church. And Lord, help us to be led by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be a loving church. And so Lord, as we continue to grow every week, as you continue to mold us and shape us more into who we're supposed to be, we ask that we would submit our wills to your will, Lord, and that your will would be done in Vision City Church, even as it is in heaven. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name.